Yeah, there it is. If you sit back further, we're just going to move the whole stage. <laughs> we'll all be back there and there'll be all this space. <laughs> um, anyway, amen. Lovely to be here. Good to see Jim and Margaret. Praise God. They've been uh, uh, unwell. Margaret, more I suppose, Jim had a bit as well, but it's lovely to see them. Also, this is my brother. If you don't know my brother, um, when I went to his church about 10 years ago, I was introduced, and, and the, the guy there said, and uh, this is uh, Phil's brother, his older brother? And I, and I went, no. Uh, uh, but, um, yeah, he can't mistake that anymore, so there you go. Anyway, Philip has sowed, and Michelle, uh, being part of the, uh, the leaders some years back, have sowed into this church, so it's always good to honour uh, them when they come as well, and to remind those who don't know them that um, they're more than just uh, relatives. Anyway, yeah. yes, you can. Yeah, if you didn't hear that, Margaret was just giving thanks for all the prayers, and it's good. It's good. The Lord answers prayer. Um, and Jim came back as well, which is even better. <laughs> he's coming out with loads of jokes. Just want to warn you, he's got like two weeks of pent up jokes. He's already, I sat next to him, and he's already shared a few, but amen. Um, I want to tell you a story, um, it's, true, it's true, it's about this man called Matthew Fontaine Maori. I don't know if anyone knows who this is, um, here, a little bit of education. He was a Commodore in the American Navy and he was called the Scientist of the Seas and Pathfinder of the Seas. This is a bit of education for you. And his son wrote about him because he, he was a big deal and he said this, at one time when Commodore Maori was very sick, he asked one of his daughters to get the Bible and read to him. She chose Psalm 8 and the 8th verse. I don't know if you want to put it up, Dave. Of uh, which speaks, and this is the AV I'm reading here, whatsoever through the paths of the sea. Uh, and he picks up on this. It says here, the birds of heaven, the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. And then he picks up on this and he said, the paths of the sea, the paths of the sea. If God says the paths of the sea, they are there. And if I ever get out of this bed, I will find them. And when Maori recovered, he set out to discover these paths of the sea. And in 1855, he published the physical geography of the sea and its meteorology. And it was the first textbook of modern oceanography. And um, there's a point here. Um, and Maori was a man who believed God, and it's because of him it completely changed shipping in those days. And even today, it is now they have this thing um, uh, because of this. I tell you, it's called the Global Ocean Conveyor Belt. But Maori, he believed God, and he believed that what was said in the Bible was true. He also read Ecclesiastes one verse six: "The wind blows to the south." and goes around to the north, around and around goes the wind, on its circuits the wind returns. And, um, and, and he took that, and he took it as, as what they say, God's honest, God's honest truth of gospel, so I keep spitting because I've got a dry mouth. But these previously unseen, unknown activities designed by God in this world were discovered by this guy, Maori. And I want to show you this picture, um, the first one, Dave, please. Um, and you can, you can look at this up on Google. I'm not showing the whole picture. But now there are mapped out these pathways in the sea. And it's all because of these things called, wait for it, you're going to love this, thermohaline currents. See, we, we, 
Thermohaline currents. And, um, and you see, when Nyla spoke last week, I thought, I've got to top that somehow, because Nyla's, um, she just brought such a great educated kind of exp- exp- expansion of a seed in the ground. I thought, this is marvellous. So you've got thermohaline currents. And it's all to do with the fact that there are cold water and there's hot water and they move around and it moves sea. And so what these ships would sometimes do, they would drop a thermometer into the sea and they would measure the temperature and they would know whether they were in the pathway of the sea. Now, this is fascinating, isn't it? But what on earth has this got to do with the Bible? Um, there, there are, and, and this is the thing, there are undercurrents in the oceans, moving around that God has created. And you will not have seen, no one knew this until this man picked up his Bible and he read from, I don't know who wrote the psalm, whether it was David, who knew prophetically that God had created the world, pathways in the sea, and he discovered them over, this is, um, over many years of taking all these notes and things like this. And that's without talking about the air and how the air flows around, and you can, you can Google that if you want to learn more. And, I, and, I, and this, 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 I think, is a, is a really important thing that we have to understand. We see it in this as a principle of God, that God works un, in the undercurrents. And um, that's the first, first little picture, okay? This is fantastic, isn't it? I can see you want more. Here's another one. This is completely unscientific, but here's the next, the next picture. Can you see this surfer guy? It's a bit faint there, but it's quite clear there. Um, if you've ever looked, again, you go looking on YouTube for some of these enormous... That was Philip, yeah, I got this off Philip, yeah. He's the one down in the corner there, which is trying to keep his head up above water. But they, they get up onto it and they ride these waves, these powerful, mighty waves, and they ride them all down and they just sit on top of the waves and they just ride it. Now, they don't control the wave, but they've learned to ride it. Now, I've not, I've, if, I don't know if you, any surfers here? Any bodyboarders? Oh, you've got to at least bodyboard. That's where you literally lie down flat. Me and Chloe did that many years ago in Cornwall. It's fantastic. You just literally ride the little waves. It's, it's for kids, so it's fine. And you would just go for miles. Now, all you can do is just control how you, for a surfer, how you stand on it. As Philip will well know, often you will fall off. Um, and um, anyway, and there's this great picture there. You ride this wave. You take no credit for the wave. You, oh, there's one direction you go in, or two, really. There's forward or down. And when you're in the water, you're carried by this wave. See, there are times when God moves where we ride the waves of God's purposes and his power and his activity and his working and we write it and we say, it's, look what God is doing. Like, um, go and talk to Alan Maxwell and, or Guy or Pam or Paula or Martin, um, uh, Sean, or uh, we're not calling Sean Seamus anymore, we're calling him Sean now. You go and talk about what's going on in their Tuesday group, Alan Edwards. I'm trying to think who else is in the group. Um, do you, you go down to know? No, don't talk to Alan Edwards about it. Talk to Pam. <laughs> And they're riding a wave of God's mercy and of his, his activity. And you go up to them and you say, you go up to Alan and say, what did you do, Alan? He says, I don't know. He just says, it's wonderful. God is doing amazing things because he's riding the wave. And sometimes you will see that in, our, in your own life. And we see that in the church. There's seasons where we're literally riding the waves. And no one can take credit for it because all you're doing, we're just keeping going. We're just sitting on the edge of the crest of that wave because we're moving forward. Amen? Amen. Amen. Isn't it wonderful? 
But when I, when I, amen. When I was, I said, Lord, what do I want to talk about this week? I want to speak into where we're at as a church, and I want to share the word. Um, and, um, and, and it was this word that came to me, undercurrent. The undercurrent. And I, and I just really, it's a simple word, I think, of encouragement. That, and the, my title is The Undercurrent of God's Purposes. Because God is always working. He's always moving. He never stands still. He doesn't take a break. He never rests. He's always doing something. Because he is, if you like, pure energy. And energy is always active. I think that's right. I'm not a scientist. But there's something always happening. Because God is a God of purpose. And he is a God of activity. So when God goes quiet... It might be that you turn up with your surfboard and the, and the waves are just quiet and they're just lapping at the waves. You think, there is nothing going on. But when you go out into the deeps, there's an undercurrent. And I think I, I, often you read in the news, someone pulled out to the sea by a current. They didn't see it until they were pulled out. You know when you go swimming in the sea and then you're swimming away and then you know your mum says, always look at that flag, that's where we are. And you look and then you realise it's over there. Because there's a current under, but you don't see it on the top. And, and, and I, want, I just felt that God wanted to encourage us in these days to understand personally in our lives, but also as a church, there is a strong undercurrent. Amen. Are you following me? You see, when Nyla was talking about seeds, um, seeds are planted in darkness. Isn't that interesting? And, and it absorbs all the nutrients. I think this is right. Just, just give me a helping Lord if I'm getting this wrong. <laughs> it absorbs the nutrients until it breaks the, the coat, it's called. Isn't that right? It's, it's called the coat. <laughs> um, I'm doing a thank you. It breaks the coat in darkness. In the undercurrent is when all the potential of that seed breaks open. Isn't that amazing? God gives these great signs. And there, there, are, there are some um, great stories. I'm just going to chuck a whole bunch of stories. You can read about them if you want. But um, of where we see the undercurrent of God's purposes at work. Joseph. Now, Joseph, we think, was 17 years old, enjoying the favor of his father. He was, like me, he was his favorite son of his father. And, uh, and he would enjoy... Um, his nice clothes and all these kind of things. And then he'd go out and he would, you know, shepherd the flock with his brothers until one day his life was turned upside down. His very brothers threw him into a pit. Um, it was because, only because of one that they didn't kill him. They pretend he was dead. They sold him to, to, Ish, to Ishmael. His whole world fell apart. But there was an undercurrent. Huh? And then, and then he gets sold into this um, um, house of Potiphar. Things start to look up. He's now given the, the, the whole household to look after. He's doing well. Finally, I feel like things are going. Then suddenly, Potiphar's wife tries to grab him, accuse him. He's then put into prison. He says, my life has fallen apart again. But there was an undercurrent, yeah? And then we see 30 years old he is now, after 13 years of suffering, what has gone on in my I'm living in darkness like a seed planted in the ground. But there was an undercurrent. And then the, the, the Pharaoh calls him. He, someone remembers Joseph and he becomes the great uh, second in command leader of Egypt. 
And it was at the end when he starts, when the, when the seed breaks open, when the purposes of God are revealed, that he says in Genesis 50, 20, he doesn't say it, but he says this, there was an undercurrent, he didn't say that, you meant evil against me, he said it to his brothers, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Because it had to be done in the undercurrent. Now I don't know why. And I don't think Joseph knew why. He had to go through the route of suffering. But he did it that way. But there was an undercurrent. Esther, I've just been reading Esther. Um, I've just been reading through the judges and I'm coming up to Esther. Here was this young girl, probably could be either an early teen, 13 years old maybe, very young. We don't, I don't really know. But again, very young, taken from her uncle. Her parents already been killed. Her world falls apart. She's put into this harem, I think they call it, of the king, taken away from her uncle who's her, become her father. But there was an undercurrent. Yeah, are you following the pattern here? It's good, isn't it? And she, she pleased those responsible. She was a lovely young woman. She was brought to the king. Um, she became queen. God was at work, but there was something going on underground. Haman sought to, this, you can read the story, Haman was this guy who sought to destroy all the Jews, um, but there was an underground. God's work was soon to be revealed. He was working in the deeps. And then Esther had to approach the, the, the king and the words of Mordecai rang in her ears. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Who knows that you haven't come to Elton Green or you are here in Elton Green for such a time as this. Because there's an undercurrent. Who knows because of the troubles and the difficulties, the challenges you've been through that you are here for such a time as this. Are we getting the picture? Um, Elijah was one of the great prophets, but not all went well for Elijah. Um, after many great words delivered, miracles performed by this man of God, the world around him seemed to go from bad to worse. An evil king, Ahab, his evil queen, he even um, um, went to Mount Carmel, wasn't it? And they did the big sacrifice and God moved in power and they killed the Baal. Things were looking up. They killed the prophets of Baal. And straight after that, he gets a threat from the queen. He's fleeing for his life, hiding in the darkness of a cave But because there was an undercurrent, you see. All through that time, there was an undercurrent, God working. And you might remember the words when he starts to complain. There is only me, it's only me that's following you. And God says, hold on a minute. I've been working in the undercurrent because there are 7,000. This is, uh, I don't know the verse of this. Uh, 7,000 I have reserved, I have kept, who have not bowed the knee. It's amazing what we think isn't happening. Lord, what are you doing? Why is it not happening? What's gone wrong? He's saying, hold on a minute, there's an undercurrent. As, as, as Tracy prayed earlier, thank you, Lord, for suffering, which is a very bold prayer, because deep down, if I can put words in your mouth, Tracy, she realises there's an undercurrent. Amen. Ruth and Naomi. Naomi went to, to and I mean, if you, I just read Ruth, so if you, I'm just reading Ruth now. If you listen to what these words Naomi said, if you know this story, she leaves Bethlehem because of a famine. They go to, to live amongst the Moabites. Her husband and her two sons die. She's left with two uh, Moabite um, daughters, daughters-in-law. 
And uh, it all goes wrong. And she said, she says this, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? See, she didn't realise there was an undercurrent. What work, God was at work in the deeps. Ruth decided she would need to go back to Bethlehem. They were in the depths of poverty. They had lost nothing, going back to where they were, but God was orchestrating events. And if you know, in the fullness of time, Ruth meets Boaz, they get married, and they are the great-grandparents of King David and in the line of Christ. This Moabitess, this Ruth, this Naomi and said, God has dealt bitterly on me. God was in the undercurrent. You could, we could talk about Moses. Uh, no, we could, talk, well, we could talk about Moses. Samson, Paul, John. You could talk about the disciples of Jesus. But we could also look at Jesus. See, what can be said of Jesus? This, our God, King, in, came in the form of a man, in a baby, served his parents. He was 30 years old. He went out to minister. He taught people. He, he loved people. He healed people. He encouraged people. He showed people the way. He challenged people, often the, <coughs> the religious. And it, the religious people sought to destroy him. Satan took him out for 40 days, did his best to turn him. He suffered, it says, more than any man. That There was an undercurrent God at work in the unseen. He was taken before the Jewish authorities. He was mocked. He was beaten. But God was working in the unseen. He was stripped. A crown of thorns pressed on his head. He was beaten. He was shamed. He was nailed naked to a cross. But the very, by the very people he came to save. But God was at the work in the undercurrent. He was crucified, he gave up his life. Three days later, the great purposes, the seed broke out of the coat and revealed the great purposes of God. That even his closest disciples, even though he taught them, they did not get it, that Jesus came to die and to rise again on the third day. People did not understand it, though it was written in scriptures, as we can read to this day. And when Peter preaches in Acts 2, 22 to 24, he says this, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God or delivered up according to the undercurrent of God's purposes. You seeing it? You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of, dead, of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. See, God will always work out his plans, though we do not see it, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Proverbs 19.21 Many are the plans in the mind of a man or woman. But it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Isaiah 46, 8 to 11. Remember this and stand firm. This is what Isaiah says. Recall it to mind. These are great words, aren't they? Have I given you the wrong verse? 
Yeah, you're good. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God, there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose, calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country. I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. Lord, can you just be a bit more clear? I have purposed it and I will do it. On the surface we may see trouble, but in the undercurrent God is working. Yeah, on the surface we may, we may see quietness, but God is working in the deeps. See, on, on the surface, what else should we say? I can't think of anything else. It looks messy. But God is working in the undercurrent. See, on the surface, there's all confusion. Lord, where am I? What am I doing? Where are you? Do I believe this? Have I got enough faith? Am I good enough? Am I righteous? God's working. It's like, <laughs> I'm working. You know, you may have confusion, but I'm working. And when, when suddenly we ride those waves when it's like, man, I feel so, I don't need anything of this world because I'm riding a wave here. You know, I, I understand grace in its fullness. I don't need nothing of the Lord. And then suddenly the Lord says, right, boom, let's get in the undercurrent. Lord, where are you? I don't know if I'm saved anymore. I'm walking in the undercurrent. Trust me. Isn't it wonderful? See, this is the great comfort we have, you see. The silence of God is not the inactivity of God, but the deep work of his sovereign hand. You know, when someone comes round your house, I don't know, say, say Sean comes round and he does a little bit of decorating, right? And I've got a lot of mess in my house. And if he comes round, I'm saying that because I'm waking him up. <laughs> um, he comes round and he says, yeah, there you go, John, good job, thanks. I'll be a bit short-changed, I think, oh. But if he comes down and says, right, we need to strip all that back, I'm going to fill that in, it's going to be a couple of weeks, John, I'm going to think, this is going to be good. See, when God goes deep, it's going to be good. It's going to be really good. See, this is the great comfort we have. It's, it's the answer to all our worries. Because when God goes quiet, we know that he's not the one who's gone off somewhere because he's forgotten about us. It's because we know he's investing in us. And he doesn't have to tell us a thing. That's where faith starts to get really activated because we've got to keep trusting him. I've started doing some running. I'm, I'm doing this counts to 5K. And what my legs are telling me are, you started something here. <laughs> what are you doing? You started something. And it's going to take a while, but something's happening in my legs. And sometimes my legs are like, no, not today. See, sometimes when God goes deep, it's a little bit painful. But God is working for something amazing. See, I can see trouble on the surface, but praise God, you are working in the deeps. That's a reason to praise him. Yeah? You know, if anything is going to happen, this is what happens when you get to these points. I'm in a place now, you might say, if anything's going to happen, it's going to be God. 
Because it can't be me because I can't see anything, I can't do anything, I don't know what anything is because I don't know what's going on, but I know that God works in the deeps. Go and take a look at Abraham. When he, when he hovered over Abraham and he put him in a deep sleep, see, things happen in the darkness. I wasn't thinking of saying that, but I think that's a word of the Lord. So when, you know, if anything's going to happen by hand, so we may praise him when we see the fruit of his good work, that we may worship him because he's faithful to fulfill his promises, that we may encourage one another when we forget, as Isaiah said, remember and stand firm. This is the great paradox of the whole suffering resurrection thing, as we touched on this morning. For the joy set before him, he endured. You could say, for the joy set before him, he suffered. That's a paradox. That's a great word, isn't it? It's a paradox. Who can understand these things? That while in suffering, we can know joy. You can't get that in the world, can you? Remember this. Recall it to mind. See, God is at work in the church. There are some waves to ride on. But maybe you're thinking, I see no waves. Well, maybe you're, because there's an undercurrent as well. There's an undercurrent in the world. Do you like that? It's like karate. Paul's, uh, Alan's not, uh, what's his name? Mark's not here. See, part of God's move at this time is to release people into new adventures. And I mean release them from this church into new adventures. That's what's happening. And praise God that people, that God sees fit to move people into new adventures. It's something that's praiseworthy. Because as God releases people out of the church, he's releasing people into the church. And I want to declare that in faith. And it's wonderful to see even recently new people join us. They're not here today, but praise God. <laughs> see, I was encouraged that, and someone once said, if you ever listen to or, or, or read Craig Rochelle, he's a, he's a leader in America, he's brilliant uh, uh, capturing these little truths. And some of them aren't new, but he just, I heard that and he reminded me, he said, he said, if you don't need, I'm going to get it wrong now, if you don't need, oh, I'll make something up and it might not be as good. If you, <laughs> yes, something like this. If you, if you don't need God, you're not dreaming big enough. Something like that, but it's much better. I didn't put it in my nose. Um, see, when God is working in the deeps, it's because he's working way beyond our limitations. Man, I'm getting hot. I'm really sweating. Um, he said, when God is working in the deeps, it's because he's working way beyond our limitations. And boy, do we need him to work beyond our limitations. See, I remember, I love this verse. It's one of my go-to verses. Unless the Lord builds the house, those that labor, labor in vain. God is building the house. Now let's labor. Yeah, God is building a house. We don't know what's going on. Maybe there's an undercurrent, all these kind of things. And, and in light of this, I was thinking, um, I want, really, maybe we can end on these four encouragements for us, four actions that we need to take away from this meeting. Um, I love being in meetings where I come away with no actions. But we need actions in this meeting this morning. And the first thing is this. We need a mindset of expectation. We need to hold fast in expectant faith. What is God going to do this week? 
What is God going to do in, this, in our group this week, in our midweek group? What's God going to do when the ladies pray this morning? Or what's going to happen? Oh, do you know what? There are people meeting at this point, this time. I wonder what God's going to do. Let's have an expectation. It's not a kind of, how can we stir ourselves up to believe something that doesn't actually exist? It's about saying, God, you're working somewhere in the deeps. And I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm praying. I'm expecting to see a breakthrough, a breakout of that seed out of the coat. It's a, a mindset of expectation. Think on these things, all those kind of verses that deal with the mind. Number two, it's a move. And this came to me at half past one this morning, okay? So you can tell this, I think this is of the, of the Lord. It's a move from attendance to activity, right? Now, I'll let this kind of sink in a bit. See, when we tap into the purposes of God, we find our call to service. See, attendance, and what I mean by attendance is we, we attend meetings, yeah? We attend, we might call it, what's the church attendance? But when you actually look at the scriptures, and you understand the culture of the day, in the early church, no one attended church. Right? This, this might be quite, prof- I think this is profound. See, the early church, they didn't attend church. They were the church. They identified that when they came into the things of God and they came in as, as into a local expression of some congregation, they were part of that expression of Jesus. To think, it was when, I think, when the church back in whatever hundred of years later started to build buildings like cathedrals, it became about parishes and attendance. But that wasn't what it was like in the early church. Now, my brother's doing a theology degree, so I'm sure he will correct me later. Yeah, Yeah, he's saying that I'm spot on. (laughs) But that was the thing. It was life. It was a lifestyle. It was living we are church. I know it's a bit of a cheese, you know, a bit like saying, oh, are we are I'm going to church. Oh, we don't go to church. We are the church. But when we think about a, there's a difference between attendance and activity, when you tap into the purpose, it says, I feel the purposes of God stirring my heart. I'm, I'm in this church to serve God. There's something moving in me. And, um, and, and I had this thought. Tell me what you think about this later. Attendance to church leads to a drop in church attendance. Huh? I'll say that again. Attendance to church leads to a drop in church attendance. Or maybe I'll make a point this. Attendance purely to meetings leads to a drop in being part of church. If all we're doing is attending meetings, we are probably dropping out of church. Because if it's all about me getting to that thing for that time and not being part of the body of Christ on God's mission for his purposes, yeah? And I think that's why church's attendance declines. I'm not talking about our church. I'm talking about generally. When church, when they say the attendance to churches is declining it's because people are starting to attend church. See, in reality, many people attend meetings, but fewer people are church. See, when 
we tap into and understand the purposes of God are moving in this church, in this body, and in these churches around the country, we tap into that, we find our purpose. I know what I'm doing here. Um, and, I, you know, listen, if you're here this morning, I'm looking around, I'm a pretty confident that God has added you to this church. And that's what the Bible says. The Lord places us in the body as it pleases him. Now that's, I hope that's an encouragement to you. Amen? <laughs> you, re- you realize, I thought so. <laughs> so, uh, for encouragement, a mindset of expectation, a move from attendance to activity. I just wanted another A. A move from attendance to, I am part of this church. Praise God. I cannot be here. I mean, you, if I'm not here, something is missing. That's what you should be saying. And that's why it's so great that you are here. Even better that you're here for more time. As a hint at what time you get here, but amen. I know things are challenging for some and the Lord is gracious, amen. Third one, a readiness of obedience. Esther was ready for such a time as this. Are you ready? Are you ready for when the Lord speaks? Are you ready? It's a readiness of obedience. Don't look to others. We look to God and we're ready. Lord, what do you have me to do? Always struck by, um, uh, this is just another little side thing. Isaiah, it's chapter six, when he sees the vision of the Lord and it says, who shall we send? Isaiah, he wasn't talking to Isaiah. Isaiah overheard the call of the Lord. You might overhear what God is saying. Are you ready to, be, to respond? Say, I'll go, Lord. I'll go. Number four, a seeking, asking, and knocking heart. Jesus said, seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Ask and it will be given to you. Not necessarily in that order. But it's the continual, Lord, what do you have for me? Lord, I want it. I'm seeking. I want to tap in. I want to get deeper. I want to touch the heat or the cold of that undercurrent because the cold goes deeper, the heat rises. I want to touch into it. I want to get caught up in it, Lord. And I've got to give my attention to you. And this is a great challenge for me in these days. I'm very busy. And I'm, and I'm like, Lord, I've got to keep knocking and seeking and asking of you. I've got to touch you, I've got to touch the current of your purposes. Otherwise, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to know what you're doing and I'm going to get a bit drawn away. I've got to get my hands in. I've got to feel the temperature of your move. I want to seek you. I need to pray. I need to worship. I need to listen. I need to ask. I need to knock on some doors. I need to seek and keep on seeking. It's a God-focused activity. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. And I'm praying, I'm praying for us that as we delve into the deeps, when the current starts to rise, when the wave starts to flow, when the seed starts to break through, there's gonna be visions and passions rising up in your heart as well as mine. Because that's what our groups need. As we transition community groups, missional communities, we need passion and vision not programs, although we might need to have some organisation. It's stuff stirring up in our hearts. So when Mark was sharing last week about his vision for a group, it's because there's a passion in his heart and a vision in his, in his eyes, as it were. That's what we need, isn't it? Amen, because there are many things we could go, well, look, let's do this, 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 and this. 
unless there's a passion and a heart that comes from the Lord, it will fail. Change is happening in our church. And here we have this thought, Lord, there's an undercurrent. Amen? There's an undercurrent. And one day, maybe you'll be standing up here and you might say, I've been riding a wave. I tell you what, all I can do is say, look what God is doing because I can't account for this. I'm riding a wave here. And we go, amen. I'm still stuck in the deeps. But praise God, you're riding a wave. <laughs> amen? Let's pray, shall we? Shall we stand together and pray? I don't know if we've got any musicians uh, left. But I just want to encourage you, you know, to have these things, a mindset of expectation, to move from attendance to activity or have an activity, a service mindset, a readiness of obedience and keep seeking, asking and knocking um, on the Lord. So let's pray together. Father, we, we worship you because you are incredible. You are awesome. You are amazing. You are wonderful, Lord, and you are at work in this church and in the lives of every single person in this church Lord, and we recognise you don't need to fill us in. Lord, we need to trust you and believe you for what you are doing right now in this moment, believing, Lord, that you are going to break out new seeds, Lord, that have come up into green shoots, new visions and passions and dreams, Lord, new opportunities, Lord. And as you release people out, we pray, Lord, that you may release people in. Lord, through the route of salvation, praise God, or through people moving in. We don't mind, Lord. We want to see you glorified in this place. And I want to thank you for this body. Lord, this church family. I thank you, Lord, that we don't say, Lord, in our own lives, I'm going to, to my family. We are family. Lord, and thank you for making us one in our hearts together. And we love you. And so, Lord, I want to pray that your Holy Spirit would come and make these things real to our hearts and in our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I just feel there's a couple of people who may, who need to give testimony of what John's been speaking about and how that's been outworked in their own life and what God's doing. And so I just want to give an opportunity for a couple of people just to come and just share um, a testimony kind of... Again, where God's speaking to you and you're seeing what God's doing. Um, I don't know if there's anyone. No? Yes. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's amazing what God does in the week, isn't it? Because I've been working a bit at home this week, so I like to put praise music on. And there was one song I just had to keep playing all the time. And the main message of the song is... And we are born for such a time as this. And I thought, why does that keep coming? It just won't, you know, just won't leave me. But it's been with me all week. And then I wasn't, I haven't been very well. Um, that's why I was working from home. And so God keeps me up in the night a lot. <clears throat> and um, I was up to about half three. So I really didn't feel I could make it this morning. <laughs> but God woke me up and said, you've got to come down. And I said, okay, Lord. And he said, have a mighty expectation. And he just really kept put that in my heart. In fact, he put in my heart so much. I thought, if I don't get down here, if I stop for breakfast, I'm going to waste time because I'm, I'm supposed to be having this mighty expectation. So I actually bought um, a flask of tea and some marmalade sandwiches. which I've been sitting here eating while John was talking because I didn't want to miss. 
um, any more of the praise bit, you know, and, and all the prayer, and it was terrific. So I thought, I just want to encourage everyone, you know, to have this mighty expectation at this time for the Lord's blessing, even though um, we don't know what's going on, because we are born for such a time as this. Anyone else? guess what it made me think of, I believe God's been doing something in my life for the past few years, really, um, and you see the undercurrent, and the thing that God's been teaching me is, I don't know if you've been to one of these water parks, and you've got the lazy river, and it's going round, and you sit on a, a ring, and you can just go around the lazy river. The thing is, though, if you try and go the other way, it's really hard, and it'll take you a long time to get round, and I think the easiest thing to do when God's moving in the undercurrent is just go with it, because whilst you fight it, and I said that God's been doing maybe a few years, and maybe if I was a bit more willing at times, it would have been a shorter journey. Um, but yeah, just to go with it and see what God's doing. Amen. So if the worship team want to come up and we'll just uh, we'll praise God for a little bit.